Welcome to Unscripted Pivots. I am Danielle Sproles, and I am your host of this podcast. Today, I'm also your guest. We are going solo. This will be the first of a four-part series that will be peppered in over the next two months. And I just wanted you guys to get to know me a little bit. I've been on this planet for a minute, so we're not going to go into all the details of my life just yet. And it's not because I'm not transparent. After all, I am from Jersey. I can be very transparent, but it's a long haul. I would rather focus on some things that could add value to you. Today, we're going to talk about the C word, or at least one of them. Some of the C words that resonate with me are courage, curiosity, connection, and confidence. As I mentioned, this is going to be a four-part series, and I don't even know when it's coming back. You may not hear the second series for three weeks. I have a long, illustrious guest list happening for you ladies. So we're not at a loss for people to get on here and to talk and entertain and inform and inspire. There's a great quote on courage by Nelson Mandela, and it reads, courage is not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. And when I saw that statement, I thought that's pretty powerful, even poetic. But how exactly does one do this is a solid question. And when I review my life, and I even think about the message behind this podcast, the unscripted pivots, the things we don't plan, we also have to think about the things that we do plan to do and whether or not we execute them. And if not, what exactly is the problem? there? And a lot of times it boils down to courage, right? Starts with fear. And to get over fear, you have to have courage. So let's talk about why I started this podcast. I'm in sales for a title and escrow company in real estate. And in that role for the past 20 plus years, I have had the great fortune, really, of traveling all over the country, attending conferences so that I can expand my client base. And during the course of these past two decades, I have met so many unbelievably talented women, and I have witnessed the personal journey of several of them, because you tend to go to the same conferences annually or biannually, and I've seen some of these women grow. And it never ceases to amaze me how things change, how they change, how things are changed to us. And I thought, Let's build a community and discuss those things and how we do it. And when people ask me about my life and why I'm doing title, I wholeheartedly laugh at this. I still can't believe this is what I do for a living. And I say that to you because this was never Danielle's plan early on. Just to give you some quick statistics, I was born and raised in New Jersey. When I thought about a career, that didn't really happen until college, to tell you the truth. I spent most of my high school just hanging out and looking at boys and hanging out with girlfriends. And I wasn't all that academically inspired. But when I got into college, all of a sudden, this light switch went off and I was really interested and became a bit of a book nerd, if you will. And I started college thinking that I was going to be a doctor. Specifically, what I wanted to do was be an obstetrician. I had a fascination about delivering babies. Okay. (laughs) Anybody that knows me knows that I've never delivered babies. I have 
I've never delivered anybody else's babies. I've been involved in four of my own. So I guess that counts. But I had this keen interest in it. And after a couple of years going down that path, it was brought to my attention by my guidance counselor that I wasn't probably going to actually make it in this arena because my math skills were a little bit lacking and they still are. I'm in this for a couple of years and I'm thinking, okay, the medical route is not going to work. I'll just go be a lawyer. I wasn't done in college with higher education. I knew that the time that I really wasted in high school, not studying, I wanted to make up for that time. And I was very hungry to learn. And I was going through a period of great curiosity. And so I decided to go to law school. So I switched that in my junior year. When my mother and dad got divorced, I had a front row seat to what it would be like when your welfare was contingent on your husband's finances. And I did not want to repeat what I considered to be my mother's greatest tragedy. And that is she was heavily reliant on him. She was a stay-at-home mom for a long time. She had six kids. We grew up with five. I lost my brother before I even met him. He came before me. God rest your soul more. And I didn't want to ever be reliant on a guy. In fact, I always had a boyfriend on my arm. I was always interested in guys, but I was never really thinking of getting married early. I wanted a career. I wanted to be wildly independent. And let's put a capital W on the wild part. So it was really far-fetched for me to actually get married as young as I did, which was at age 22. I married right out of college and I was on my honeymoon instead of my graduation for college. So began the first major pivot. So instead of being a career person, I was really a career person and a wife. And the reason that becomes really important is because you're no longer living on your own terms, right? Marriage is a union of two people that will demand a lot of compromise. And you think more of going forward as a team. And that was really great. So I get married in 1987 and only, I don't know, two and a half months later, I begin law school. And I was very fortunate to go to law school full time and have the complete focus on my studies while my husband worked. And after three years, took the bar, thankfully passed it the first time when the pass rate was at an all time low. I remark on that because it was really incredible that I actually passed it, considering that a lot of the students that I held court with at Seton Hall University in Newark, New Jersey, were smarter than me. I was not the smartest person in the class, but I did do my work and uh, I passed it. And that was great. And it was also very fortuitous because only several months later, I found myself pregnant. I tried for about a year or so to continue in that job, but when my son was learning how to walk and do certain things. I found it so frustrating to get ready for depositions and try to pull that off as a newbie or just show up with my academic hat on in the law office and then come home and get in mommy mode, which was also just an entirely new world for me. Now, I fully realize that there are many women that balance these two things and they do it very successfully. But I will tell you, in the early 90s, I was in a law firm where I think I was maybe the only woman attorney that was an associate at the time. In any event, I came to work one day after 
thinking long and hard about how I was balancing or really lack of balance with the two things. And I decided to quit and I resigned on the spot. I didn't give it a lot of thought. In fact, I didn't even tell my husband I was going to do this. I knew he would be really happy that I would be a stay-at-home mom. We were able to do that financially. It just wasn't a consideration for me because it was going to interrupt what my goals were on the professional level. And so I did. I stayed home. It took so much courage to just say it. But what I did in that moment was I followed my intuitive voice. I didn't overthink it and I didn't stop it. I didn't know what that was going to look like to actually walk away from that nice little office and the assistance of an admin and that legal environment was so civil. It was clean. It was not what the home looked like with diapers flying and bottles emptying and all sorts of chaos, right? As babies will when they come into your world in like the most beautiful way, people. I really loved being a mom, but walking away from what it was that I wanted to do outside the home was not easy, but I didn't give it a lot of thought. I listened to my intuitive voice. I find that when I act with courage, it's because I'm honoring that voice. I am honoring it despite the fact that I can't see the outcome. And that probably has been the most transformative thing that has happened in my life. I no longer try to control those things. I just show up. To give you a brief synopsis, I stayed home. I had three more kids. I had my first son in 1991, my second son in 1993, and my third son in 1995. And then the grand finale was a daughter being born in 1999. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it was a big deal after three boys having that girl. And I'm not going to say it was a complete surprise. But I did research with my doctor on how I could probably do a few things to manipulate the situation. And out of a page, I believe it was page 78 of some How to Make a Baby book, I ended up having a girl. And with that, our family was complete and there was no intention of having any more children. In fact, we could barely keep up with the ones we had. It was a very, very happy and joyous time. And I just dove deep into motherhood and the idea of having any kind of extracurricular activity like a career really was so far away in the back of my mind. And that was until she turned about one. And when my daughter turned one, simultaneously around that time, my grandmother was getting sick and I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. And when she left this earth, I'll never forget saying to her, I want to go back to work. And she was so traditional. She heard my pleas for help, but she also thought like being at home was like the best thing that any woman could do. She was very traditional, but she got upstairs and upstairs being heaven. And I will tell you within a week's time, I was approached at a party to sell title insurance. And it wasn't really far reaching considering that I was married to a real estate lawyer. And that guy wanted my ex-husband's business. And so he offered me a job in title insurance. And I knew nothing about title insurance. What I did know is that I wanted to get back out of the house. And I thought this was going to be a very fast way for me to re-enter a business-like community. So without any experience or knowledge of 
title insurance as a product, I jumped in, I dove in. And within six months of working at a local agency in New Jersey close by, I ended up being recruited by a very large underwriter in Manhattan. And I can tell you, looking back at it, I must have been half crazy to say yes to that job because that's where the real changes began. The two-hour commute each way from my home in New Jersey to New York was just horrific, really. And it required a sacrifice from the entire family for me then to pursue this career. I don't know that I like title insurance per se. To this day, it's a necessary component of a real estate transaction. What I can tell you, my job is so rewarding because of all the people that I get to serve and the people I get to meet. And it's quite incredible to come into a transaction at the early stages. We come in after the brokers are doing their job. It's more in the commercial space where the PSA is executed and then it's launch time. And I'm either representing a buyer or a seller, depending upon who is paying for the title insurance. That rules differs from state to state. And I get to see the parties grow and then in comes the lender. And then there's the council of all these various parties. And it has really been such an eye opener to witness how vital it is to find out if there's any blemishes or encumbrances on the property, because it can literally kill a deal, right? So what we do in title and escrow is critically important to the process. But the best thing is meeting all the people. And yes, the commercial industry is heavily populated with men. That has changed a little bit over the years. Look, I love men. I got no problem with men. Most of my clients are men. But the far more interesting experience has been my relationships with women in business. I started this podcast so I could build a community where women could not only showcase all that they have accomplished, but how they addressed all the pivots that were unscripted in their lives and to share the stories of resilience and hope and creativity. What's it look like when we put our big girl panties on, right? Because those moments come and where will we get the courage to face them? If there is something that you see that you want that somebody else has, there's room for you to get it too. Nobody has all the C-suite chairs. Nobody has all the husbands. Nobody has all the money. Nobody has all the looks. What I know to be true today is that if I see something that somebody has that I want, that I have a responsibility. In fact, I have a duty to go for it. Oftentimes, the only thing holding us back is ourselves. I always have a choice to lead by example. I'll end with this. If there is something that you've been wanting to do but have been getting caught up in the details, getting caught up in the fear. Dig deep. Find your courage. If you can't find it, borrow it from a girlfriend. There is a lot out there and we can all share. Okay, so that wraps up this episode, this solo episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing from me. I'll tell you, I had to dig deep on this one because it's very odd talking to myself. 
In any event, next time we do solo, we will pick up another C. And C stands for curiosity. All right, until next time, remember, when you encounter those WTF moments, ladies, you are women that flourish. Thanks for stopping by today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and conversation. Check out the show notes to stay in touch with my guests. The community grows when we spread the word. Feel free to share this episode with a friend by text or on social media. And remember, you can tag me on Instagram at Danielle Sproles. Rating the show also helps give it some traction. I would appreciate a five-star review. And next time you experience that WTF moment, remember, we are women that flourish. <laughs>